Hello, everybody. Welcome to Learning in Public. This is a show where my friend Drew and I learn things in public. There's a bug on the my, on the camera. Where on the camera? Is he like on, on the, the lens? corner of the? Oh, he's on the. Okay, that's all right. Okay, he's not gonna hurt anything. What is that? Wow, what a great op- an eventful a, opening! That was to the a show. really good start. That looks like a baby praying mantis or something. It's really weird. Looking. That's horrifying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm gonna forget that that's there. And then I'm gonna go over there and be spooked Did you ever, by did you ever it. find like a nest of praying mantises? No. One time what? I found, I, I was walking in the woods with my sister, and we found an egg sack, praying mantises, and they were tiny, they were seriously, it, like, five millimeters long. No. And they were but they about, were very small. They, they were tiny, like and they were a billion of them. They looked just like little praying mantises. Yikes. That would have, I would have been scarred for life. It was kind of scary. They're little scary little Even critters. for you, you're a bug guy. Well, I, I like looking at them, but they are, I mean... You know what praying mantises? They look like little alien monsters. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they look like a starship trooper. Should. Oh, that freaks me out. Okay, well, <laughs> so Drew doesn't like everyone, bugs. Everyone, welcome we, back to the show. What we learned in public this week is that Drew doesn't like bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to the show. We are currently on the set of Where the Wild Things Are, <laughs> and um, once again, in a once, different part. in a different part of it. Yeah. Um, so we're here again. This is Ix Art Park again. Yes. In beautiful, but in a Virginia. different place. So we are switching it up. Uh, we are in this like lovely little canopied area, whereas before we were in a lovely little wooden chair and And look, uh, guys, okay, area. there's a pandemic on, so give us a break, okay? <laughs> we're going to try to go, we, we can't go but so far away, really. Exactly. Um, plus, today is officially mask day, so if you are indoors true. in a business in Virginia, you need to be wearing a mask. Yeah. So, Drew, tell me, we're going to start a thing this week called Glimmers. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. Where, where each of us is going to sort of give, like, one small little tidbit that we learned over the course of the week or something that we watched and enjoyed and learned something from. Yeah. We're going to call those our glimmers. Our little so, glimmers. Drew, what is your glimmer this week? All right. So, my glimmer... Uh, so, I like to bake, as you know, Grayson. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> and I pride myself on being a relatively good baker. Um, and I also pride myself on experimenting a little with the common baked goods. Not anything crazy. I'm not like putting cereal milk and stuff. I'm not that innovative. Wait, you say cereal milk? Yeah, have you not heard of Milk Bar? What do you say to me? <laughs> is, cere- is cereal milk not just regular milk? It's milk that's been um, put, like the cereal's been put in until it basically dissolves. So all of the sugar and Gross. everything. No, apparently. So it's a huge thing in New York. There's this woman. Uh, I don't I remember don't her name, but she all. started this place called Milk Bar that literally makes baked goods with cereal milk. Apparently, it's like a delicacy. Like people are around the block. Okay. It's a very New York thing. You know, thing. I will say, I used to very much enjoy after my cocoa pe- po- cocoa uh, exactly. pebbles or what are the other ones? Cocoa puffs. Cocoa puffs. Yes. Have a delicious chocolate milk. Yes. You know another one? Uh, the fruity pebbles. Yes. And imagine because cocoa puffs that. and fruity understand. pebbles then have a different flavor. They infuse the milk. They with. do. That it's is ki- true. It's kind of like uh, making um, different teas. This is You're just, like this, brewing milk. But it's very silly to even add the cereal. You should just add this <laughs> like the flavors they put on the cereal like i, I don't right. know if like the puffed rice <laughs> provides a lot of good flavor maybe it does i don't know i'm not a cereal infuser so i wouldn't know yeah okay but i'm so, I'm, so my point Drew is experimenting story, with baking exactly i'm experimenting with baking and so last week i made something uh or two weeks ago i made something called the i called the brookie which is when i took you told me about the brookie yes i took my brookie of the year the brookie Drew of Lytle. the year yes i took my brownie recipe and my cookie recipe and i like well, really what ha- I should tell this the right way. Really what happened was 
I was trying to make cookies and I have a very, I've worked very hard on my chocolate chip cookie recipe. I make a very good one, I believe. And uh, I brown butter for the cookie recipe. Oh, you use brown butter. I do, I use a little brown butter, um, but uh, I didn't let it cool down enough before I added in the chocolate chips. So half of the chocolate chips kind of melted into the cookie batter mm -hmm. um, and it made sort of a brownie-ish batter and I just kind of went for it. And so then it was kind of like a brownie cookie hybrid and I called it a brookie. That sounds very good. Wait, did I try this? I don't remember if you brought one or not. For I don't think I, I, don't I don't think, think I got to try it. Yeah, but one t one day. Because you've essentially week. invented a new. Oh, yeah. Sandwich. Oh, I invented it. Yes, I Well, did. because I've seen <laughs> things before where it's like, okay, I made a plate of brownies and I drop cookie dough into it. A combination. It's like a com wombo combo. You wombo get like a, combo. You get sort of like a vein of chocolate chip cookie through the brownie. Yeah, I love that stuff. That's extremely powerful and good. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't make that uh, anything that good. I just well, like melted chocolate into cookie dough. <laughs> You made something new. I did. Entirely I innovated do. a little. So that that's my little glimmer. That's, that's your always, glimmer. That's a little something, something that happened to me this week. What's your What's your the best The best things in the kitchen are, are accidents. Exactly. You potato chips. Were they French Were fries. they an accident? Those are both potato foods. But yeah, they were both accidents. How do you accidentally do either of those things? So the story goes that there somebody was making fried potatoes. And I, this is, I'm sure, is not That's true. already a french fry, isn't it? Okay, okay. So what happened, yeah, fried potatoes. Those, this is for chips. Okay. And the person at, at that for was... For our uh, British listeners, we're talking about potato, like crisps, you crisps, call them. Yes, crisps, yes, crisps. Um, yes, because we have a got, person in Trinidad and Tobago. That's we do. To we, have, we have maybe two in Ireland, I think. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sh shout out to our international, international listeners. listeners. Thank you so much for listening. All 22 people who listen <laughs> to this show. The one person in Ireland and yes, the one our person in Trinidad. Both of you. We love you. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So the story goes, the guy at the restaurant kept getting an order sent back for... Um, fried potatoes and it was because the um, patron of his restaurant wanted them to be thinner and so finally so after, I'll like, give him some thin ones exactly, all right, really? exactly and he just like <laughs> basically sliced them so thin, thin baked them and then they were literally just like crisp chips that's amazing yeah you think that's true? You think it's made up? I'm sure it's Have you made heard up about, like, it's a much better the story, story about the, like the invention of the sandwich no. Well, it's was it by the Earl of Sandwich? It was supposedly. no way yeah so supposedly the Earl of Sandwich was playing cards and he said, I want to eat while I play my cards. And like, but sir, you can't have a knife and fork while you are eating, while you're playing cards. And he said, just give me a piece of beef between two slices of bread. That way he could he could have his his sandwich named after him and, and cards. his cards over here. Wow. That may be apocryphal, but that's the story behind it. Wow. I think I saw that on um, Good Eats. Really? Did you ever watch Good Eats? I loved Good, good Eats. Show. Yeah. Where is Alton Brown? Didn't he do a he's, new he has, series? He has a show, yeah. He has a show on, on, on YouTube or Netflix, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to Alton Brown. Yeah. Thank you for listening, by the way. He's yeah, a, Alton Brown's a big the fan show, of the show. Alton Brown. So my glimmer this week. So I watched a, a film called Yojimbo. Have you heard of this? No. It's by um, Akira Kurosawa. You might know is the director of um, Seven Samurai. Yeah. And The Hidden Fortress. Yeah. Which is the movie that Star Wars, Star Wars is based on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I watched another of his movies called Yojimbo, which is interesting. It ends up being the movie that the Clint Eastwood film Fistful of Dollars is based on. Have you heard of that? No. Or have you seen Back to the Future 3? Yes. There they are make a lot, fun of that. They do. They, they reference it with the, um, the cast iron door thing that Marty has under his poncho. Oh, yeah. That's a reference to Fistful of Dollars, which is essentially a remake of Yojimbo. Really? Yeah. Um, and actually, it was 
I mean, it was a complete ripoff of Yojimbo, but they, like, you know, people have done it before, remake movies, but they didn't ask permission. And yeah, so they this just, is also, also something I've been very interested, even with, like, Star Wars. Like, Well, the story is very different between The Hidden Fortress and Star Wars. Like, if you watch The Hidden Fortress, the main similarity is that it's told from the point of view of these two scoundrels, these right. two idiots that are um, <laughs> not really that involved with the plot, but they hang out with the main characters. Yeah, it's, and it's like, told from their point of view, similar what, to the droids in Star Wars. Yeah, and what's that... Um, What's that play that's like the spinoff of Hamlet or something like that? Oh, Rosencrantz Rosa and, and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah similar to everything that. Everything just happens from their perspective. Yes. And it's like this big drama that you already know has happened. But Right. Uh, but it's, it's entertaining because it's being told from the point yeah. of view of these two idiots. Okay, so, so that the, was more of the stealing of a trope. Or the adopting it, of a trope. Yeah, like an idea. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, George Lucas, he borrowed stuff from all over the place. Yeah. Um, Whereas this was a complete remake. This of was just a remake of the exact same movie, wow. and um, they didn't ask permission before they did it. And did they get sued? Yes. Wow. And it actually delayed the re release of Fistful of Dollars by like three years. What? <laughs> because they, I mean, they stole. Wow. They stole the idea. And didn't ask permission. How did they figure out that they had before they had re released the movie? I don't know. I don't Very know. The, I don't. I don't know that part of the story. Good job. But Yojimbo is super good. And what the really interesting thing about uh, Curse, well, there are a lot of interesting things. He's an incredible filmmaker. He he's like one of my favorite filmmakers now. Wow. Um, but one of the really interesting things about him is that he was super influenced by Western filmmakers of America. So like uh, John Ford was a big influence wow. of his. But it, he ends up then being, being an influence upon Western filmmakers specifically. That's like powerful. You know, that's... Magnificent Seven, based on yeah. Seven Samurai, Fistful of Dollars, and then the sequel of Fistful of Dollars, um, for a few dollars more, is based on the sequel to Yojimbo called Sanjuro. Wow. That's the power of collaboration right there. This is what well, I'm preaching, is man. It, is it collaboration? I guess, I, well, yeah. it's, it's more like um, the Jurassic Park thing. You stood on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And, like, every everyone, like, even when you're writing, like, you have essentially collaborated with everyone you've ever read. Yeah, To, like, for sure. make this new book. Yeah, and... and Related to that, I read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow this past week, which oh, I think cool. I think I read it when I was a kid and I really liked it. But I mean, it is a children's book, right? Kind of. I, I, it's like a dark children's book. It's comical though. Washington Irving is definitely very like a comical writer. Gotcha. Um, I, I the only reason I, I hesitate to say it's a children's book, maybe it was a children's book when it was written, which was early, very early 1800s, I believe. Mm. Um, but t today's children, I think, would be very, just lost and kind of bored by it. But I found it fascinating and great. Cool. Um, I grew up watching the Walt Disney short. If you yeah, that yeah. I always loved that one a lot. Wow, Grayson. Well, thank you for that glimmer. I think that was... I had a couple of glimmers in there. Yeah, but that was great. Sleepy I Hollow think we really both good. did. Okay, I love that part of the show. We're keeping that. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Okay. That's a much better intro. Yeah. yeah, and the second change to... You know, we're innovating. We're, like, iterating our format a little. Um, we're... Instead of coming up with topics every week and then trying to teach you, dear listener, as idiots who don't even know what we're talking about at all, we're actually just going to tell stories about things that we've learned this week. Kind of. Uh, kind of, in a way. Uh, and uh, Rather than focusing on us teaching a, teaching, a topic, it's yeah. more about we're just going to learn about the topic and share, and then, share what we've learned and our experience learning it. I think yes, I, I think that's going to be great. Okay, so Grayson, hit me. What's your Oh, show? it's my turn to go first this week, isn't it? Yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> so, Drew, I'm really, I'm really going to need your help this week. Okay, so I, no problem. I made the foolish decision of agreeing to talk about... Uh, artificial intelligence. I got the name <laughs> right this week. What did you say last week? Alternative I, intelligence. Alternative intelligence, and then I think I jokingly said artificial insemination. Yes, alternative uh, facts come alternative from alternative intelligence. Whoa. <laughs> 
we figured it out. It's like the, the meme of the lady doing the math on the, you know, yeah. um, okay. So yeah, I decided to talk about alternative, no, I said it. <laughs> artificial intelligence, which I know nothing about. I did my best to research it, cool. and I still don't think I know very much about it. Okay, but cool. I had an interesting time learning, especially about kind of the history of it. Great, no, that's so Drew. What does AI stand for? <laughs> well, part, part, part of my research for this, I watched the Neil Breen film Twisted Pair, <laughs> uh, which I highly, highly recommend. In which Neil Breen, he's if you are not aware of Neil Breen, he writes, directs, and stars in all of his own movies. <laughs> um, he is a complete just. Nut job. Nutcase. He's he's a horrible filmmaker. He doesn't know anything about artificial intelligence or filmmaking, yet he has made a film about it. Exactly. This one is uh, especially notable because he plays himself and his like evil twin. Evil twin, yeah. Yes, um, and he has a really great uh, and there's fake, like, he has a fake beard on. There's like really no plot in the movie. Have you watched the whole movie? I've not watched the whole movie. I've watched YouTube videos where they react to that movie. Okay, I have watched the whole movie <laughs> three times. Oh my God. It, I mean, it is a masterpiece of a, of a failure of a film. But um, the interesting thing is that he clearly, he's tried to make a movie about AI and he does not understand anything about it. It would be like if I tried to. Um, because what's strange about it is it starts with he and his brother, they're twins, and they're abducted by aliens while they're playing at the beach with their dog. This is not actually filmed. This was like stock footage he found on the internet of just like a couple of kids playing on a beach. Um, they get abducted by aliens and turned into humanoids. Hmm. Drew, I don't know how a per you are uh, you are, are humanoid human. <laughs> or like you, like <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, he's turned into they're turned into humanoids with AI. But why would a human need AI? You already have like a brain uh, and a brain that's much better than any AI that we actually. So have anyway, right now. <laughs> this was a failure of trying to learn anything about AI. This, mo this movie did not teach me anything about that documentary. It. You that watched? bug is right on your lens now. Just so you know. oh, there are two bugs. Oh my god! I gosh. think those are baby. Praying mantises, look at them. That's what they totally are. Holy guacamole. So that's pretty cool. Um, so anyway, yes, as you know, AI is artificial intelligence, right? Yes. So why don't you, and, and this is not because I don't know anything about it, this is just for purposes of the podcast, but will you explain to me how AI works? Sure, okay. Or what it is. So artificial intelligence is the study of trying to get computers to make uh, deci complicated decisions, basically. Mm. Um, and... How it works normally right now is uh, you have basically a dumb robot baby that is really good yeah. at math. If you remember from 2001 A Space Odyssey, they go through, I think when, when like Hal is, he's unplugging all of his stuff, he's kind of going back. And exactly. Like, I'm ready for my first lesson today. Yes. It's very creepy. Exactly. Yes. It's very creepy. So it's but like that. And, it's and like that. Kubrick knew about that back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And so the dumb robot baby is really good at math and you basically give it a bunch of, um, you map problems that you want to solve like uh seeing what an image it, what's in an image mm -hmm. so like images of dogs recognizing images of dogs and you would like give it the solution right yeah you give it the solution it in terms and of math. a desired output exactly and it's basically you make it do this math problem a bunch and it's a guess and check essentially um and uh you basically teach it over time how to guess better than it once did mm -hmm. um and then from from that point on, after you feel like you've gotten a good, like, quote-unquote model of how mm -hmm. it works, you can stop the training, because if you go too far with training, sometimes your computer will get dumber. 
um, which is an interesting thing. It tries to solve. That's how I felt when I went to college, so I understand that. Yeah, yeah it, the it, more it, I learned, exactly. the dumber I got. Exactly, yeah. and it because it tries to solve for problems that aren't there. It literally overthinks. Okay, just like human does. Is that the issue with like captcha? We can talk about capture later. Okay, okay we'll get into capture later. Maybe you more than I do. Um, okay, but that's essentially how yeah, it works. Okay, I think that's right. Uh, think, I'm glad my computer science it, degree. <laughs> and let me pull it oh, out. Oh, you have a computer <laughs> science degree. Um, so would you say that's... It sounds to me more like maybe you're talking about machine learning. Uh, yes, currently... Because that's yes. sort of a part of AI, right? Because AI in general is... I mean, it's... Let's let Grayson Any, read the definition. Well, <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines artificial intelligence. So it's, it's about, like, devices that perceive, perceive their environment and take action to maximize its chance of achieving goals. And yeah. it's, like, most basic form. So yeah. not nearly even as complicated as AI works today. You could even be talking about... I mean, I so I, I did do a little research on video games here, but even, like, think about the ghosts in Pac-Man. Yeah, no, exactly. There is, like, a very base form of artificial intelligence there where they find the shortest path to get and eat Pac-Man. Do they yeah. eat Pac-Man? But I think... Why, why so, does ghosts eat Pac-Man? <laughs> I agree. I don't want this to become a debate because this is supposed to be your it's, topic. No, it's not a debate. No, it's a conversation, man. Okay. It's jazz, baby. Okay. Yeah. But the pushback I would give is that AI, there is a difference between an artificial intelligent program and just like a basic algorithm. Yes. Because... Like, I would definitely agree. The because, ghosts Because that's the whole idea with AI is that... It's this actually is a, making this decisions. This is a problem that's way too complicated to exactly. try to make an algorithm for. So exactly. we're going to make a, the computer make its own algorithm, yeah. right? Is that is Exactly. That Whereas Pac-Man did not have the even capacity, probably, to run a program like an right. AI or a machine learning thing, and so, or like building a model. So really, that's an algorithm. The AI is something that like actually makes a decision tree on its own. Yes. It wasn't given to it. Yes, and that's definitely an important distinction. Mm -hmm. But I think when you do research into like especially like older AI stuff, mm -hmm. um, you you find they use they AI to that. refer to not necessarily the learning stuff, but just like the Pac-Man ghosts, anything, anything that because the whole idea is that you're trying to mimic human cognitive function kind of right yeah You're trying to mimic cognitive function yeah the ability to solve, to solve a problem, a problem. Yeah. and so you could say the pac-man ghost inky and blinky going through the maze <laughs> it's solving a problem sort it of. is it is based on an algorithm though yeah so i think i saw like tic-tac-toe use it as, as an example because you can make an easy algorithm to just make t the game play oh make yeah, the yeah, yeah. Play tic -tac -toe, yeah, right? yeah so it's not exactly like machine learning but it is still some kind of Artificial intelligence. Yeah. All right, all right, Be keep going. Keep going. Um, because I remember stuff. we had like an SNES game called Chess Master. That like actually it would just had... play chess against you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I seem to remember something, and I think this was a reference on Doctor Who also. But there was um, I think it was called the Turk. Have you heard about the Turk before? No. And I think this was a complete sham. I don't think this is real. But supposedly, in the ancient days, there was this this guy. It was like half of a man in front of a chessboard. And he supposedly was a machine that would play against you in chess, and he was this ancient machine, Whoa. and he would beat real people. And I think it's completely fake. I think it was faked. Wow. On Doctor Who, it was, um, you know Warwick Davis, the no. actor? Um, he, oh, yeah, he, I do. Yeah, you know him? So he was, like, inside the machine controlling the Cyberman, I wow. think, on the show. Um, which I think is probably what it was, something, something like that in real life. Interesting. That's um, So they've had ideas like that for a long time. Um, I looked a little into the history of AI. Because cool. people have been People have been thinking about this for a long time. Like how long? Um, I think the earliest reference that I... I mean, probably for us, as long as people have been thinking. Been thinking what, what if these well, other things is, could, could talk? Could but talk, the, the yeah, earliest I one I could find was... Uh, have you heard of Talos? 
No. Telus was um, an ancient Greek myth. He was a huge Ooh. statue. He was a bronze statue. If you've ever seen like um, Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. He, he's a he's a giant bronze statue that protected the Isle of Crete. Wow. Um, and so he would. I, so Hephaestus and the Cyclops cre- created this giant statue and, and imbued him with life. And he would throw boulders at ships that were trying to approach the island. No way. And he would make his. This is not real, obviously, but he would make his rounds. Around but the people island. were thinking. People about, were thinking like, about this, this bronze like, man yes, having intelligence. Essentially, like a robot. Wow. There are robots in ancient Greece, not real ones, but people were thinking about. That's them. pretty crazy. Um, and the way they, they the way they kill him in this, that he had a little, a little plug on his ankle. And I wonder if this is also kind of related to the Achilles myth at all. But um, uh, Jason and his friends, you know the. <laughs> The, the myth it's called Jason and his friends <laughs> they pull out this plug and like the ichor of life flows out of the statue and he dies wow Whoa, and that, that's and that was cool. ancient Greece also have you heard of the golem or golem golem right golem is the lord of the rings <laughs> the, the golem that's of, the rock man right yes of Jewish folklore yeah um, he was I think yeah he was made, made of rocks or uh, like clay Mm. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, I think you can have any number of types of, of golems <laughs> of um, different armor classes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but he, yeah, that was kind of an interesting one. He was, yeah, I think, usually made of clay. But the way you would imbue him with life is that you would write the name of a god on a piece of paper and stick it into his mouch. <laughs> and he would come to life, much like a floppy disk. Much like a, yeah, this was the OG they floppy invented floppy disk even before George Lucas when Leia puts that thing inside of uh, yeah, R2D2. Yeah, the this card. Was before that even. Um, but uh, interestingly, I think the the golem couldn't talk. I think a lot of these other things. Could talk. Oh, interesting. He couldn't talk. Maybe because he had a piece of paper in his mouth. I don't know. <laughs> Again, this didn't work. Like I don't think this. I don't think they actually made this thing. Um, we don't think. We'll never know. There is no way of knowing. <laughs> Um, I also have you heard of Paracelsus before? No. He was an alchemist, and I think he was like a fake doctor uh, mm. <laughs> back in the day when people much w- like most doctors back in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, I think he was really into alchemy, and so his idea uh, for me, this is like the most buck wild one I found for how to make a an AI essentially back then. But you would take okay, hear me out. You would take the sperm of a man, and you would put that into horse dung. Oh. And then after forty days, you would feed something called the arcanum of man's blood which is something in alchemy you'd feed that to the horse dung that had the sperm in it and it would turn into a human living infant it would just turn into a real baby again we have no way of knowing if this works or not we haven't tried everyone get out your horse dung uh, yeah, and I don't need to know anything else about that story at all. Wow, isn't that disturbing? That's very. And disturbing. then if you think about, you like, went on a big YouTube or a big uh, Wikipedia Wikipedia rabbit hole. You know? Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> also, if you think about like Frankenstein, is an example. Oh of my gosh, Im- yeah. imbuing life, life consciousness, consciousness into yeah. a body. And did you ever read Frankenstein? No, really, no. it's really good. Um, I've heard that. Hot, hot yeah. take: Frankenstein's, <laughs> a, Frankenstein's a good book. Um, but it's really interesting the way that so he. Frankenstein gets all these body parts because he's a doctor and he just puts these body parts together and then do you remember in the movie there's the famous scene of like you know the he raises up and the lightning yeah. hits it. it Mary Shelley doesn't go to into any of it she just says and then I put uh, the life into him she doesn't even explain it I think it actually kind of makes it creepier wow because he talks about discovering the secret of life and he, doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't tell, tell you what it is Whoa. it makes it kind of creepy because it's almost like I'm because it's you know it's from the point of view of Dr. Frankenstein right and, and these are his, like, this is he's his like, story. I don't even notes. want to tell you how yeah, to exactly. do it because I don't want you to do this because this thing well, went around and killed my girlfriend, Entire, and, wife, entire and, like, town, a, right? A kid. 
I don't think he kills a town in the book. I think he does in the movie. In the movie I think he, he like yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen the movie too. Wow. Fantastic special effects in that movie. It's been a while again. And by I'm fantastic, sure. I mean not. Well, very, I enjoy, like for the back I, I in the en- day. I enjoy like the makeup and stuff. Yeah, I find that more exactly. realistic. It's like the stuff. first OG movie where the bullet hits the moon. And it's just like a cutaway and all What are you talking about? Wait, you've never seen this movie? It's like a the first... Hits the, are you talking about Portal? Portal 2? <laughs> when you shoot the moon? <laughs> no. I'll have to pitch you my idea for Portal 3 also. I thought they made a Portal 3. No. Oh. We're never going to get a Portal 3. Sad. I, it is. I, I think about it every day. <laughs> How much I want to play Portal 3 and it doesn't exist. So what bullets in the moon are you talking about? There's like the first movie... The... the backtracking to what people say was like the first major motion picture oh um, oh yeah yeah and there's like it's the not dancing called, it's aliens. not called bullet to the moon it's trip to the moon i think it's called trip to the moon and yeah, the yeah. bullet is actually the ship and it goes it goes into the moon's eye yes. and he is crying i yeah. love that that yes. looks so cool exactly that cutaway effect it was like the only thing they could really do actually, back that then. movie and that was made like the 20s or, yeah. or earlier it might have even been earlier i, don't I know. thought frankenstein was like 30s or the 40s the movie right? was probably 30s or 40s yeah okay yeah because they had like that was that it's not a silent movie, right? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, there may be a silent version of it. I don't know. Yeah, but like the lightning effects is all projection, and speaking, it's pretty cool. Speaking of silent movies, actually, you never saw. Um, is it called? Oh, we can edit this out. <laughs> is it called Utopia? No, it's not called Utopia. Zootopia. Zootopia. What's the movie? I'm an idiot. What True. Movie? Just googled old sci-fi movie. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, 1927. Yes, Metropolis. Metropolis. So we, we'll backtrack this. So, Drew, have you ever seen the movie Metropolis? I definitely didn't have to Google what it was called, and I definitely didn't watch it like two weeks ago. Did you ever watch Metropolis? No. Another Star Wars connection. I, this movie is where I think George Lucas got like the design of C-3PO from. Interesting. Because there's a there's a like robot a in the man? movie, a metal man. And it's called the Machine Man. Wow. Um, that's 1927. They were they they had this really creepy robot, and they so we've been thinking they put, about this they for put a like long a, time. Like a woman's soul inside of it. It's very it's very creepy. I had no idea that we we've actually we've been, been thinking about like... it for a long time. Yeah, and wow. I didn't even write Metropolis on my notes. I just like I'd seen it, I've seen it recently. It's very good. Wow. Um, okay. Well, tell me more. What's going so on? So when do you think like the oldest AI in video games? AI like, in you, video games? Yeah, so, and and not, like, good AI, I'm talking about, like, the basis level of, like, this thing can kind of work against you in a video game. So... It's kind of, ma- it's, like, this thing is making decisions and trying to beat you in a game. It would have to be an opponent video game, Yeah, then. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so it's probably not, so like, not Space like, Invaders not like a mul- or... I think Space Invaders is considered to have a form of AI in it, but it's not that, it's earlier than Space Invaders. Earlier than Space Invaders? Can, can I tell you, it's way earlier than is you it think Pong? it is. Pong is a lot of times I think considered to be one of the first ones. It's actually called Nim. Have you heard Nim. of Nim? Nim was my dad made played this in game. 1951. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's really old, right? Yeah. And I think Pong was like 20 years after that. But this game, it's like a strategy game where you have a little pile of. Um, I think in the game it was matchsticks. I think if you play it in real life, it could be stones or something. Mm-hmm. But it's just a game where you were trying to be not the last one to remove the an object. Wow. Um, but. It's kind of cool because this machine, 1951, it was like a little box that would play Nim against you, and it would beat human players. Wow! In 1951, it was already that good. Um, yeah, and then Pong was 20 years later. Good job, had, had like a really, you know, impressive 
kind of AI functionality. Yeah, in that '70s the... show, uh, Red Foreman couldn't figure out how to beat it. So you know. I haven't seen the show. <laughs> You've never seen the. I've never show? seen it. Wow, great show, horrible ending. Much like How I Met Your Mother. It yeah. was like the OG How I Met Your Mother disappointment. Oh, yeah. So how, you, how if I recall, How I Met Your Mother ends and it just kind of like fades out. It's like a gunshot fade to black kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Is that a... There's actually a gunshot. There, someone dies. <laughs> this is How I Met Your Mother. Ted Bosby actually kills his wow. children's mother. <laughs> wow, I need to watch this show. It sounds yeah, very action packed. It's ri riveting. Um, are you? familiar with Deep Blue? You heard of Deep Blue before? You're a computer uh, science major. Yeah, I Deep have. Deep Blue is the computer that beat Gary Kasparov in chess. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Um, and I want to say he had beaten it years before in very much like a John Henry type situation. Yep, and then they um, came back. And they and came back. And, and it crushed and him, right? It crushed him, but I, and I think one of the things that he, he his, I think he's quoted as saying the machine has proved nothing <laughs> because I think they fed it only like Gary Kasparov games so it could learn how Gary Kasparov played. Yeah. And That's ended up beating him. crazy. That's like how, what they did with Watson when he played Jeopardy. I was too. actually going to bring up Watson. Yeah. Watson, did you watch that when it was on? Yeah. It was incredible. I mean, it, he crushed. It Ken was Jennings. a magic moment. It was an, in it was history. amazing. And I, yeah. didn't they have to actually go to like Watson's headquarters and film there? They had to, like build a. Oh, because I think the computer they did, they was so big, it yeah, was the size of a building, yeah. and, they, and so they they actually had to build a Jeopardy studio. Yes, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was that was a really incredible moment. Yeah, if you don't know, Watson was the computer that beat Jeopardy champion Developed Ken Jennings, IBM. and yeah. the other guy who is not as famous as Ken Jennings, but <laughs> who is also very smart, I guess. And it absolutely crushed them. It was, yeah. it was no no yeah IBM's computer. It was no competition. Insane. Um, and now Watson's and like then, diagnosing people. Like, really, I've, I've heard that this is kind of stuff. part of the future of AI. Is, yeah, uh, is is medicine. Yeah, for real. Um, a game that I recall having AI. My first experience was um, Perfect Dark. No, you I played Perfect Dark no. for the N sixty four. It had it had like really bad AI in it. Um, well, they they were okay actually. It's a it's a shooter game, so okay. it was the follow up to GoldenEye, which is widely seen as one of the best shooters, especially for its time. It was yeah, exactly. it was groundbreaking. Um, Perfect Dark was the follow up, made, made by the same people, but they added AI into it. Um, but the oh great thing was that the AI, they were great at shooting, but if you put on like all remote mines, they knew how to throw the remote mines, but they didn't know how to detonate them. Oh, you told me that. So they're just wandering around, just throwing mines, <laughs> just wherever, and they never detonate them. It's, it's very entertaining. Um, have you heard of the movie Sunspring? No. This is the movie that was written by AI. So now we're talking about like modern kind of. You haven't heard. Yeah, of we've us? moved into. Movie we've like, moved into like. So this is the idea of okay, we fed this computer all of these film scripts. Scripts. Um, I think right, they, right. I own. think they used uh, sci-fi movies from like the seventies and eighties, and they fed it these scripts, and it said, "Here, these are successful sci-fi movies." Now you write one. And the computer did it, and I haven't watched it yet. Um, I think it's supposed to be really interesting. Cool. Um, one of the things that I've learned... Is it a good movie, or is it... I, I want to say it was at Sundance. No So way. it's probably like a watchable movie. The, so it was written by AI. AI didn't, like, make the movie. Oh, That would be incredibly right. disturbing. That would be crazy. They got, like, but they got real actors and everything. And I, I, it, was it was referred to as um, interpreting the script, which I think is funny, because it was probably a little bit strange and computery, so they probably yeah. had, like... These things aren't very logical. We have to like kind of turn this into human language a little bit. Oh, interesting. So they cheated. That's no, what I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's fair to say they cheated. <laughs> um, one of the interesting things about because um, there are even AI generators that will that will make like works of fiction. Like they will write short yeah, stories. Yeah. But a lot of times, the interesting thing is it's on on the surface. It makes sense. Like each sentence makes sense. But as far as like structure goes, the AI will just like make characters appear and disappear Die and then come back. Yeah, <laughs> they'll just do whatever. This has been my experience with the game AI Dungeon that I was telling yeah, you about yeah. where I, yeah, characters will just die and they'll yep. just come back to life because the AI is not very good at keeping track of its own, like, structure for fiction. Yeah, the AI is the king of retcon. It's like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, we're just gonna not do that, and that doesn't exist in canon anymore. And I know that was three sentences ago. It's fine. We're going in a different just direction. Don't, now. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I found a pretty cool AI generator called um, Talk to Transformer. Have you heard of this? No. It is so it's a version of OpenAI, which is yeah, very, very cool. big, but it's like a very accessible version, so that I can just go in there and Ooh. I can type in a sentence, and it will like autocomplete a story or a news because AI can write news articles yeah. now, which is terrifying. It's crazy. Um, and, it, and it'll just complete it. So I have prepared <gasps> a little, a, a little. No, I've prepared a game for you. So oh my gosh, I have six prompts here. Okay, I have six little snippets of stories. You have to tell me okay. if it is um, an opening to an Ernest Hemingway story, or <laughs> if it was written by my cell phone this morning. Wow. Okay? Are are you? It was written by uh, Talk to Transformer. Cool. Are let's you do ready? It. For I'm this? ready. Okay. This is awesome. Number one. It was now lunchtime, and they were all sitting under the double green fly of the dining tent, pretending nothing had happened. Is that AI, or is that Hemingway? Hemingway. That one's Hemingway. Good job. Looking around, that smooth but soft purple lake surface also appeared very good, with no dark spots at all. It's a tough one, huh? It's wild that it is so tough. Yes. And this is, so this is, I designed this to be a Turing test and we're going to see if, (laughs) am I a robot? Am I a robot? Because this Uh, is kind of what a Turing test is. Exactly. That's the idea is, is the AI good enough to fool you into thinking it's a human? Exactly. Um, I'm going to say that that was the robot. That was the robot. Okay. I'm doing pretty well. You're crushing it. AI hasn't gotten too good yet. You shouldn't have told me it was Hemingway. Because now I'm like, well, oh, well I kind of know how he talks. But no, that was it was interesting. I was just messing with it, and I was like, this kind of sounds a little bit like Hemingway, and that's where I got Okay, it. cool. Okay, so, so uh, they're kind of matched. matched. Yeah, just as far as like the very simplistic language that the AI uses yeah. is, you know, in a way, similar. I'm not saying that Hemingway was a computer. <laughs> was a computer? Or was he? Who's was to he say? A golem? We'll never know. Somebody wrote down, Somebody wrote, good writer. I'm going to be stuck in his mouth. <laughs> that's why Hemingway couldn't talk. Everybody knows. <laughs> it was dark, and the noise and congestion was deafening. There were, naturally, a great many people and vehicles to ensure the thoroughfare remained full. Everyone was moving as fast as their vehicle would allow. Ooh. It's tough, right? That's tough. Hemingway. That one's the computer. Wow. It's happened, My folks. computer wrote that? It's happened, folks. <laughs> I shouldn't know my vehicle. I feel like vehicle wasn't a word that Hemingway used very often. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I read The Old Man of the Sea. That's the short one. <laughs> I read the short one. I didn't read anymore. I read uh, a bit of The Sun Also Rises, and it was like, these guys are just walking around in the middle of the night getting drunk all the time. Like, <laughs> What's the point of this? I, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. <laughs> it was late, and everyone had left the cafe except an old man who sat in the shadows of the leaves of the tree made against the electric fence. Ooh. AI. Hemingway. Wow. Whoa, that's I think crazy. We can do a couple more. It wasn't about anything. Something about uh, making punch, and then we started fighting as I sloped, and he had me down kneeling on my chest and choking me with both hands like he was trying to kill me. And all the time I was trying to get the knife out of my pocket to cut him loose. Hemingway. That one's Hemingway. Yeah. Good job. Um, oh, okay. This is my favorite one. The trees were there for a reason, and if only my friends were there too, then they could have been at least a reminder of an abandoned place. No wonder those trees had once been so happy and useful. 
<laughs> AI. That one's AI. Wow. I just really enjoyed that one a lot. And that, AI that writing was, a story kind of about like Yeah, it was so I found a few AI generators that were really lame. It felt like it was just doing mad libs, like inserting words into uh, an already verbs, made story. Yeah. But I really enjoyed um Talk to Transformer. Cool. And, uh, we'll leave uh, a link to that in the podcast yeah. description. And yeah. um AI Dungeon also. Yeah, oh, is definitely. A very fun game that yes. kind of does a good job writing a story with you, but not really. It's really fun to play AI Dungeon with friends. Yes. Like yes. and you're just it's like, a good like car trip game. It is exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say, or a good quarantine game. Yeah. People are just like looking for things to do. That's with true. Their you can easily play that like over Zoom or something. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Um, I think I had. Oh, so I wanted to talk about one more thing before we switch off, and Great. I know I've been talking for a long time. No, so that's okay. To, um, but I prepared. Have you ever heard of Songsmith before? I would compare no. this is kind of similar to AI. Microsoft had this stupid idea, and I think the the late '90s, to have a computer program where you could sing a jingle into it you could make a melody and, and it would it, make a song it would, out of the it, melody well it would make like a back like a backing track so it would make wow. a harmonic structure beneath it but where it gets really buck wild is when you um you can like single out the vocals from a song that already exists and let it try to make its own backing track wow. to it so i want you to listen to uh wouldn't it be nice by the beach boys <laughs> um <laughs> oh my god <laughs> It's nightmarish. Oh, this is horrifying. Oh, please stop. Oh my gosh. It's so weird because sometimes I'm AI like, has come a long way since then. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this this kind of sounds like it. And then I'm like, oh. No, the... it's it's like such a, it hurts my brain to listen to it. Oh, and wow. And there are better things since then. I found someone did, um, they took uh, I'm a Believer, the Smash Mouth yes. cover of I'm a Believer from Shrek. And you like, you feed it that song and it tries to make more of the song for you <laughs> and th those have been very entertaining too very so, cool Grayson. do you have anything to add to, to ai before no Grayson, that was excellent do you enjoy that yeah that for my a... limited knowledge i think you, you know, had a great grasp on it though kind of you were you had downplayed yourself so much that's the like... idea i always always neg yourself <laughs> under under promise over deliver that's, that's what that's... we're at here at learning public <laughs> that's our tagline <laughs> learning in public under promise over, over deliver, deliver. <laughs> So tell me, what's your, uh, what, what are we calling this story? What's your story for this week? Jordan? All right, all right. So the the story of, uh, you know, something I've been delving into and learning. So, Grayson, as you know, you've met my dog. His name is Kato. Um, he's a lovely little Border Collie Black Lab mix. Um, he's super cute and fun. Uh, but like any puppy, uh, you need to train him. And so I've heard that uh, about puppies. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard this about dogs. Uh, and so Sarah and I have been going into the rabbit hole of the YouTubes, learning mm -hmm. about how to train dogs. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about my experience about dog training. How to train your doggo. How to train your doggo. It's my one of my favorite movies. Is How yes. to Train Your Dragon. I I, I, I I know you love it. I still haven't seen it. I know you love it. Oh my much. gosh! Really? I still haven't seen it. But and you also know that I tried for a while to get Sarah to name our dog Toothless. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's black and that'd be so cute. Uh, real fans, real fans know of How to mm -hmm. Train Your Dragon. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, okay, so Grayson, tell me what you know. Because you have dogs. Your family has dogs. We got some dogs. Yeah. yeah. My, my dad uh, has hunting dogs. Yeah. Or, or hunting rabbits. So tell me what you kind of know about training dogs or training animals okay. in general. So are we going to talk about conditioning? Sure. Hit, hit me with that. Okay. It. I know there are two big types of conditioning. Yep. Classical conditioning, yeah. which is when you teach your dogs to drool. <laughs> and operate conditioning, yes. which I still don't really know what the difference between these two is. So hopefully we can get into that Okay, today. cool. Because um, I, I just, they seem very similar to me. I think the idea is that operant conditioning is you are using 
something that the dog or animal is already doing, right? Yes. And you're reinforcing behaviors that you want to see. Exactly. And not reinforcing behaviors that you don't want to see. Is that correct? Exactly. But you're all, but it's you, I think positive reinforcement is generally more successful rather yes. than negative reinforcement, right? Correct. Meaning your dog getting a treat when he does a behavior that you like is is better than you hitting your dog with a newspaper exactly. when he pees on the floor. Exactly. Is, is, that, is that right? Exactly. And that's operant conditioning. Yes. Classical conditioning is... I, I put a stimulus in the environment and then... Uh, so I'm in control. Gotcha. They react to that stimulus uh, and I reinforce that behavior. Okay. Does this make but sense? But that's still a behavior they would already exhibit. But you are associating a behavior with, with something that is unrelated. And is with right? the stimulus that I added. So when Pavlov was doing the like bell to get the dogs to drool and stuff, mm -hmm. um, that's cla that's pr classical conditioning yeah. in like the essence. Yeah. Because what do you think would happen if Pavlov's dog met Schrodinger's cat? <laughs> See, I don't that's, think that's why you listen to this podcast that's is for whole, great jokes like that. I think the the whole point of Schrodinger's cat is we would never know. You would never know because and the dog wouldn't know whether or not the cat existed <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, but you nailed it. So there's classical conditioning, operant conditioning, and basically training your dog is uh, about controlling those two systems and uh, making environments where your dog can learn from those two types of behaviors. Um, and where it gets really interesting is in, uh, or I found, which is like timing. Because dogs have very, very short memories. And I don't mm, mean like mm -hmm. they don't remember a lot. Because you, like you walked into my apartment today and... He remembered me immediately. He, uh, immediately. He, he licked my hand. He knew who I was. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not that they don't have memories, like a lot of memory. It's that their memories themselves are like very short. If, so you the you the stimulus that you're adding needs to be very very close in time exactly, to the behavior. Exactly, they say it's about three seconds. Wow. So or he, or he won't associate the two. Exactly. Okay. He's had completely forgotten. Exactly. Uh, about like what the goldfish who swims across the tank and forgot what the other side of the tank looked like, right? Yes, exactly. So that's what they say. That's what they say, and it's uh, exactly like that. Okay. Um, and so this makes it very interesting for training dogs too, because what you're really then training is habits. Mm -hmm. um, because all a dog is doing when it's going through, like if dogs were in packs, like back in the day, and they would hunt or whatever, or wolves, like let's take that. I saw somewhere. a coyote on my drive home yesterday. Coyotes, whatever. Um, that's kind of horrifying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the they're big folks. They're coyotes. <laughs> they're are not, large they're not wolf size, but they're pretty close. Yeah, they'll do some damage. Um, but you can imagine they're moving in a pack and all that stuff, and you think that they have this like long-term plan. Mm -hmm. for hunting yeah and they kind of do but really what's happening because they this is what people love about dogs is they say that like they live in the moment because mm -hmm. literally they do yeah they're like attention span is three seconds mm -hmm. long and so what they're really doing is going through a bunch of little behaviors like a little algorithm exactly like a very it small a bunch 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 times exactly a very small algorithm and so they like um are going through this like pack behavior uh, not as like this long sequence, but as actually just like a bunch of short ones where the stimulus for what happened at the end of the last sequence is the trigger for the next habit. The not, next three not seconds. Not like the first. No, not, not the, the first beginning one. of the chase. Or yes, whatever it was. the first one does not go all the way to the end. Wow. It's like bump, 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 all That's the way down. Really interesting. It's very interesting. It's kind of like um, they're in a way like dancing through this like. 
uh, routine mm. without knowing what the next step is. Yeah. Uh, it's just like wherever their body was after the end of the last step, they made up a new step mm-hmm. um, in the meantime. It's very cool. That is, it's very like it's improvised dance. It is. It's like improv. They're the it's masters jazz, of improv. baby. It's yeah, jazz. bopping. It's jazz. <laughs> and so the dogs are like basically masters of um, living in the moment and this like improvisation. That's really cool. Yeah. And so the, the thing... So obviously you can do really cool shit with your sorry. Obviously you can do really cool stuff with your dogs um, because if you can control these behaviors, then you have gotten like really fancy cool stuff to happen. Um, the problem is we have only understood this. We've only been studying this for about the past 20, 25 years. Really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, actually with dogs, I should say. Like, we know a lot about the psychology stuff from from other things, from Uh studying human behavior. But actually putting dogs in scientific studies has, like... That is so weird. You would think that would be the first thing they would do. Yeah, well, and... Because dogs are so easily trainable. Exactly. Well, and I should say, I'm sure there were lots of studies before, but, like, the advent of the MRI is really when we could start getting a glimpse into dogs as like an actual Mm -hmm. animal because that just gives us so much more insight into what the brain is doing. Before that, they were a mythical creature. Nobody really (laughs) knew what a dog was. They were a cryptid. We heard about the dogs. The dogs. They were somewhere. They were somewhere, yeah. Uh, Cool. So that's one of the big things that people have learned over the past 25 years. But you can imagine we have been training dogs for centuries. Yeah. A very long time. Well, I mean, they weren't dogs initially. We were training wolves. We were training nice wolves. But nice, good quality wolves. Yeah. The wholesome wolves. Yeah. Yes. And so we would just continuously breed. Because, uh, like, dogs are literally like a man-made species. Yes. Like They, they are artificial selection. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is good and bad, right? Well, we won't get into that. But because I love dogs, so yeah. well, your dog is a—he's—he's he's a mixed breed, right? Exactly. So we're, we didn't go to a farm and buy him. So he's probably like very healthy. Don't worry about it. Yes, but uh, yeah, the the point of the point of this whole situation is like um, people have been trying to train dogs without understanding dogs a lot. Okay, and it's um, only recently now we understand the psychology so you can be more effective trainer. Exactly, and we can use science to provide training. Oh, that's cool. Because you can imagine, too, like, uh, before we started recording this podcast, you brought up Caesar Milan. Pss, yes. Pss, pss, pss. He does a snake thing. Yeah, and, hand. like, punches dogs and, like, kicks <laughs> them. It's, it, you laugh. They're ne- horrible Negative videos. reinforcement, yeah, he's, I would say. Yes, yeah. he's the king of trying to make negative reinforcement seem cool. Um and yeah he's like a total hack he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about um and uh, yeah like he's just a not good dog trainer wow but but he's the dog whisperer but he's the dog whisperer uh and it's because um with the advent of television and these dog training shows and all that stuff people like people who don't have good dogs or a, I'm not gonna say don't have good dogs. People who don't have well-trained dogs mm-hmm. like to because it's more a reflection on the owner than it is the dog. Exactly, dogs just learn what learn, learn. what's it's not their fault. Exactly, they live, the moment, they live in the moment, so you are in control of the environment that presents itself to learn stuff. Um, yeah, and so there are a lot of dog trainers with the advent of television that made a bunch of money uh, showing off dogs doing bad stuff and presenting solutions, quote unquote, 
um, for those people that are watching at home to empathize and be like, oh, my dog does that. Mm -hmm. I should try that. Plus, it's probably more dramatic. You can sensationalize exactly. it. Exactly. You sensationalize it. It's really good episodic TV. Whereas you actually training Kato is probably not very exciting it's to watch. It's not exciting not to watch show. at all. Yeah. Um, and it's very slow moving and all that stuff. But when you have this like crazy dog biting people yeah. and doing all that And you stuff, want to think there's like a magic fix for a right. behavior like that. Oh, you just do a snake. Hand yeah, a little snake. <laughs> yeah, the snake hand and poke him. Yeah, uh, it's like when... that wrestler who has like the he has like a snake sock on his arm. You know what I'm yeah, exactly, like yeah. exactly. And in reality, what happens when you have a dog that's fearful or stressed or whatever, and so they lash out with aggression, and you go up and start poking them. Uh, you can imagine the people at home started doing that, mm -hmm. and people started getting bit by their dogs. Yeah, that's and, surprising. And then, sadly, what happens when people feel like they can't take care of their dog is... We they don't need to talk about this. Yes, they put their dogs down. Mm. And this is a big, horrible thing that has been, like, going through the United States. Dogs are suffering because owners don't know what they're doing. Exactly. It's not the dog's fault. Exactly. Yeah. And many people get dogs without understanding that they're not getting a stuffed animal. So what's the, <laughs> what's the solution? Okay, so the solution came uh, from Germany. They're mm. one of the biggest leaders in doing was studies Pav on was dogs. Was Pavlov Russian? He sounds Russian. I think he okay. was, yeah. Yeah, they have done like a bunch of studies. They've like been figuring stuff out. And so Germany is actually one of the only, or actually is the only country that has dog training listed as a protected profession. What does that mean? It means that two train dogs in a professional capacity you have to have a certification okay much like you, a teacher mm -hmm. or a police officer you can't go around or arresting a, a people. falconer a falconer sure yeah, yeah exactly and um so this is a wild story that we've been getting up to caesar milan wanted to go do a big show like a a, a tour in okay. germany um, and to, uh, you know, like be able to show off and train dogs on his tour, he had to get this certification. So he goes over to Leipzig or wherever it is, um, and wants to take the certification test. They're like, okay, sure. He goes and takes it. Guess what he gets, Grayson? A zero. A solid F. Really? He, he completely failed. failed. Um, wow. and it's because, uh, all of his training techniques are not based on true science and mm -hmm. actually were listed as dangerous wow. because they would incite, uh, you know, dogs that are like, uh, I can't remember the label. It's like blue, blue dogs are the ones that are, um, have had traumatic experiences or whatever. And so they're aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so you can imagine he goes and just like, Oh, you just got to poke them and, you know, kick them and stuff yeah. like this. And they're, like no, horrible things are happening work. exactly and especially yeah, not, in, not only in is it, Germany. It, it's hateful really yeah, exactly. but it doesn't work it's yeah exactly yeah, it's not and science. um so the the big uh training technique that has come out of um germany and now people can get certifications in the u.s and stuff like that it's called behaviorism mm. um and rather than like talking about it as a trick right you want to talk about it as yes a behavior. Yeah. exactly as a behavior you're training behavior um and where so there are a lot of trainers that do all positive reinforcements, so you never do uh, anything to negatively reinforce your dog. Um, behaviorists have this kind of like hybrid mode where you don't, so you never negatively reinforce by hitting your dog mm -hmm. or like having them have a bad association but, but you with can you. say no, right? And exactly. You, can... you say no, you remove them from environments which are causing stimuluses that make them have those uh, quote-unquote bad behaviors, unintended yeah. or unwanted behaviors. Um, because anytime a dog is doing something that they find good but you don't, 
that's still reinforcing to them. Mm-hmm. They're having a good time biting your couch or something like that. Yeah. So like that's good to them, and so they're being reinforced. Mm-hmm. It's just not being and reinforced so that's why you by need you. To remove them from that. Situation. Exactly. So that's the idea of behaviorism: is you remove them from the situation. You, um, so you can say no as a if you've trained no as a trigger word. That's like I. Uh, I'm not looking for that right now, mm-hmm. basically. Whereas, yeah. like, yes is the, hey, you're about to get something good because yeah. you did something good. Um, no is the opposite. Uh, yeah, so that's the big deep dive into um, dog training that I went on, that's which really was cool. fascinating and fun. Um, it was very interesting, too, to think about, like, the dogs my family has had. Like, we've had dogs growing up over the years. And thinking about, like, their our training mentalities and their experiences and behaviors and being like, Oh shit. Like that might've been our fault in mm-hmm. a way. Um, the ending to the story is there's this, the place that I learned a lot of what I know now. Um, I learned from this German TV show called Hundefestehen. Um, oh yeah. I yeah. love that one. <laughs> that popular show uh, in America. Hundefestehen. Hundefestehen. And it literally translates to understanding dogs. Oh, is hund, is it like hound? Yeah. Okay. And verstehen is understand. Okay, cool. Um, and so uh, it's so cool because if you think about even the mentalities between uh, America and Germany, uh, you know, the big popular American dog training show, Dog Whisperer, mm. uh, which is like, how do you, how do you, me, communicate to and tell the dog what to do mm-hmm. whereas in germany it translates to how do i better understand my dog so that i can be better that makes sense isn't that beautiful because uh, like you always talk this is it's a collaboration between it's you a and collaboration dog, really. between you and your dog yeah yes it's Rather so than trying great. to like force behaviors on a dog exactly. you kind of find behaviors that the dog already is exhibiting yes right? and you create environments where they succeed they yeah. do things yeah. that you want them to do and so it's been great sarah and i have loved it obviously all dogs are all no dogs do- go to heaven all dogs go to heaven and no dog is perfect yeah. um but uh we've I had disagree. a great- <laughs> I, I love these little guys <laughs> but kata has some things he's still working on but we've gotten he bit my hand a lot earlier <laughs> that's, like, that's okay <laughs> He's teething. That's yes. different. Um, we can go into that if you want. But, uh, yeah, uh, he knows all the basics. He knows his little sit down, stay, all these things. But he's also, in, like, a day, he learned to shake so well. It's really? It's so cute. Uh, you didn't show this to me. I, I, oh, I'll show great. you when we get back. But he is just the most adorable little dog. You're like, shake, and he just, like... It's <laughs> just like smack you. It's that's great. So cute. Uh, and he knows crawl. He loves to crawl. Oh, really? Yeah, that's one of his favorite ones now because he doesn't have to get up and he's so such a lazy boy. I don't know if you knew boy. this, but my, my sister actually trains animals at Maymont. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, did, I mean, I didn't know we were going to talk about this today. We should get her as a guest on the show. Very cool. We could actually do an episode of Maymont. That would be pretty cool. That'd be great. That's a really good place. If great. You for. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break oh, and ads. we'll be back with the end of the show. So, who is our sponsor this week, Drew, as if I didn't already know? Oh, Grayson, you know them, you love them. It's the boys over at Lumastic. <laughs> Those guys, they sure do make good products. So, yeah. so what's Lumastic uh, What's Lumastic all about, Drew? All right, so uh, for those of you who have not listened to the show before, I run a company called Lumastic. We're an online collaboration platform for creators and entrepreneurs. Um, and 
uh, yeah, it's just a fun community to be. It's kind of like a social media and um, pr productivity tool hybrid. It's sort of Drew's Entertainment 720, if it's, you will. It is. It really is like my <laughs> little uh, passion project for a while now. Uh, and because it's just a place where people can come with ideas, thoughts, dreams, things they want to make real. And you have a community of people who can help you realize it's, them. It's all about collaboration, it's and, all about and, collaboration. and creativity, right? It's exactly. about making things. It's about making things and like making your ideas real. So, for instance, if I wanted to start a business, this might be a good place to organize ideas and collaborate yes. with other people who might have good insights. Exactly. We have a lot of entrepreneurs on the platform, obviously, because that's my uh, demo. <laughs> uh, white guys with glasses and companies. <laughs> so, that's the that's the Facebook AdWords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so if you're starting a business, it's a great community to be a part of. We're launching... Uh, a really fun new redesign that makes the whole platform better and more fun to use um, and easier to talk to people and collaborate uh, in a, just a few weeks, which is very exciting um, and also terrifying. But uh, yeah, also if you're an artist, if you're a creative person, I also uh, am very empathetic to those people uh, as somebody who runs a YouTube channel and all these things. Um, so if you're somebody trying to make big waves in the world with a new uh, uh, piece or something, you want to be a filmmaker, an author, uh, you want to produce an EP, something like that, come join the community because we are just a group of people who want to help with fun software tools. Well, and, and if I was a college professor or a teacher of some kind, True. especially in this these strange times, it'd probably Anyone... be a really good place to... Exactly. really be helpful online learning, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah. We have a, a whiteboard, a collaborative whiteboard tool where you basically can do whatever you want on this big infinite canvas. So if you want to invite your students to watch you work through a problem or you want to help somebody brainstorm something with a project. If you um, want to hammer on the asphalt <laughs> for some reason. We're having fun. We're yes. having fun. Yeah, but head on over to lumastic.com. Uh, it's a great place to be. We'd love to have you there. All right, Grace. Wonderful. I, well, I also wanted to plug my new website. It's called Broomastic. <laughs> um, we sell brooms. Uh, if you're a broom lover, a broom entrepreneur, if you're just a big fan of broom straws, we encourage you to come by. Um, they don't fly in real life like in the Harry Potter, but they uh, they do. They work for the sweeping. So um, that's at broomastic.biz forward slash Drew and Grayson made a broom. Um, so that's for fifty percent off. That's, that's right. for your fifty percent off coupon. You can go to our Bitly link. I still know what Bitly is, but I know it's if Brewmastic.biz is real, I'm gonna buy it. You should. <laughs> you really should. You could you can have it just like link to our podcast. Yeah, oh, that'd be really good. Brewmastic.biz. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to the show, Grayson. Okay. What happens now? <laughs> All right. Now we are gonna do. Oh, do we have the results from like last week's quiz? I asked a question about bumblebees. We might not have. The oh, results. we don't have any results. We'll save it for next week. So you have more time to, you have more time to get in on that. The question was, and it's good because I didn't make up a quiz for this week. So <laughs> if you if you if you didn't already submit your answer, you, you still have time. There is one type of bumblebee where the male actually does pollination. Yes, so. and if you can say what was it? it was what the name of the bee is and. No, that was the only and, and And why it, Maybe why, yeah. Why it works for pollination, because normally yeah. bees and don't pollinate. We're only going to take submissions through the Google form. So please, for those listeners that have my phone number, please stop texting me your answers. Have they been doing that? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so please use the Google form uh, in the podcast description, or hit us up over at anchor.fm. Or text Drew at... <laughs> 
420-666-6969. That is his real phone number, definitely. You can do that or go, better yet, go to anchor.fm slash learn hyphen in hyphen public. You can leave us an audio message there and we will actually play your submission on the show. That's right. Okay, Grayson, we're at the end of this podcast um, in which we kind of do a little check-in on uh, things that we're working on, things we're working through, things we're learning for our own selves more than just the joy, joy of learning. Okay. So, how have things been going? I assume they've, you were talking about okay. your book. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a lot to talk about. I would say, I remember I said earlier I was reading Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I'm trying to read. Get, well, not even just read. Reading is very important, I think, for writing. But, like, mm. specifically read things that I find very inspiring because I, I mean mm. I read all all kinds of genres mm-hmm. but um I found the Washington Washington Irving like early Americana mm. type feel be very helpful okay very uh I, mean, I, I think I talked to you about over the garden wall already yeah. how much I love it definitely that kind of that kind of feel okay great so, so that yeah that's kind of that's that's, that's what I've been, what I've been working inspiration. on and I, I'm trying to get inspiration from especially like Appalachian folklore you know what I'm Ooh. saying? Early American Appalachian folklore. Okay, cool. I'm finding that very inspiring. Wait, so where are you getting that? Is that just your Googling or? Some Googling and some reading, different things. Very cool. Obviously, Washington Irving was like a New England mm-hmm. uh, author, but, you know, they had Appalachian Mountains in New England too, didn't they? <laughs> cool. So we're, we're learning it's about like. a big like, mountain range. We're trying to figure out the tone a little. Tone is definitely part of it. Okay. Um, I really enjoy the Sleepy Hollow tone. I'm going to reread. I read one of his short stories called The Devil and Tom Walker mm. uh, in high school. That one's really, really good. It's a mm. classic, you know, fellow makes a deal with the devil and he doesn't want to pay up when it's time. You know. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So the last time we had really worked through stuff together was before you had even started writing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was back when we were doing the brainstorming session over on Lumaster.com. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, and the so I'm working on a video right now. This is the thing I wanted to talk about. Um, Your uh, Harry Potter video, right? Yes, a video about um, what we can learn as creative people, entrepreneurs, all that stuff from J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. Basically using it as a case study of like, why did this work? And how can we take those lessons and not try to maybe write a Harry Potter book? But like, we already have Harry Potter. Exactly. We have seven of those. How can we, <laughs> how can we put that those lessons into whatever we're doing? Whether mm-hmm. it's uh, writing a new book or making a, um, a website or starting Find a company. What is it about Harry Potter that is so special? Yeah, and and her process success. about yeah. how she went through. And one of the things that um, I've really I really learned through just doing research is how much she planned these books mm-hmm. and this world. She before she started writing, she planned it as much as George Lucas pretended that he did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She spent about five years, really, immersed in this world, just constantly asking questions to herself. Wow. About these characters, about the the world she was building. That was all before she even started writing it? That Yes. That was, wow. Well, she was writing stuff mm-hmm. before she had written the first book, basically. So she would wow. write random stuff. Like yeah. Like notes, short little story things, yeah. trying to build out the world. But before she actually went and wrote the first Harry Potter book, she spent about five years immersed in these ideas. Wow. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of similar to Tolkien, isn't that? Yeah, I, I, just I, lived I, there. I know he, he worked on Lord of the Rings for 10 years, I think. That's but, crazy. But, but that's, like, that's all exactly of that work and like is. living in the world and the amount of, you know, ancient mythology that he has put into that yeah. that is reflected in his later stuff. Yeah, and, and the thing I found really inspiring too, because I 
I look at that and I'm like, I cannot do, I cannot spend five years trying to like. I can't imagine Ooh. saying like, I can't wait to start my next book when I'm 29. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a minute away. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so um, the thing I found really inspiring was how she did it was just by like literally coming up with questions in her head that she wanted to know mm. and then answering them for herself. So like, okay, the oh, first, cool. first one, right, is like, what if wizards exist? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how does that work? And, and yeah, and how does it? How is, like, she answers, how, how is the wizarding world kept separate from the, exactly. the normal world? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there are, like, false walls. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like a movie. It's like yeah. false, false walls, all these mm-hmm. things. Cool. Okay. How do they learn how to be wizards? Oh, there are probably schools. They probably have a whole school for that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, how do they get to school? That's, How do they like? That's really cool. And to, so she to think about like that, just answering questions. And yes, just, that that's a really good way, probably, just to fully flesh out your world. Yeah, and maybe, then like, maybe that's something I should try. Maybe that could be my next project for this week: is come to, up with some questions, come up with questions and answer them, and like fully flesh out my my world. Yeah, because she said it made it so easy to actually write the book mm-hmm. because the book was then just like. Harry exists. Boom. I already have this whole setting. Exactly. And so when and he I know interacts how the dominoes things, fall. I know how other things in this world will react because I've spent so much time in this world. Exactly. It's just like how you would know how other people would react in the real world because you've spent time here. Exactly. But this is not a fantasy world. Exactly. And so really you cool. have to spend a lot of time Fully pondering these out. questions and learning about your own world to understand then there, how to write it. Yeah, and you should listen to, oh, what's his name? Patrick Rothfuss. Are you familiar with him? No. He wrote the King Killer Chronicles, oh, another cool. fantasy series. Yeah. Um, but he has some really interesting stuff to say about, about world about, building, about world building specifically, and how every author kind of finds the things that they are interested in, and they kind of focus on that. So, like Tolkien, really into language and really into like yeah. old boring poems. Yeah. So he did a lot of work with languages and writing a bunch of. He wrote his own language. He, several. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, he's a linguist. That's what he was interested in. I know Patrick Rothfuss says he's, like, really interested in currency. So he spent a lot of time... Mm, economies and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, like, really making the currency of his of his books feel realistic. So I wonder what... Well, I mean, maybe in part of that for J.K. Rowling is probably, like, how does magic really work? And this yeah. is something Patrick Rothfuss brings up about Lord of the Rings. Is like, how does magic work in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't really go into it. He doesn't ever like, explain it. Gandalf d- knows how to do some stuff. Yep. But it's never really explained what he can and can't do. Whereas, exactly. as, and when. And right. when Whereas he Harry can. Potter, it's like that is super fleshed out. About the, I mean, yeah. you are there learning spells, learning um, potions, learning all the different aspects of wizarding life. Yeah. And the system really kind of like fleshes yeah. itself out. But as, as an author, you should find the things that you can really plug in with and find interesting. Yeah. Because those are the things you're going to want to ask more questions about. Yeah. Like, that's and live their own interest. If you're putting things that you're passionate about into it, you're like, you're not going to be able to, to help but put a lot of love into your work. Yeah. You know? That's so interesting to me to think then about this questioning aspect. Because she probably w- was really like, how does magic work? Mm-hmm. Like, how and, is this going to work? I know she was really inspired by Tolkien. So she probably was like, hey, it's weird yeah. how he never really explains how magic works. I, that's something I want to focus on in my book. Yeah. And whereas uh, Tolkien was like, how do all the languages work? How yeah. do people talk to each other? He didn't really how care does... about how the magic works because the things that he was inspired by, he's inspired by like Beowulf and like epic poems. They don't mm-hmm. really explain stuff like that in those. It's just, uh, there's some like magic people in the world. <laughs> whatever. Monsters. Yeah. It's fine. And so it's about but how... But he, he was interested in the different cultures though. He was very interested in the way, you know, the hobbits are different from the dwarves who are different from the elves. He's yeah. interested in all these different things. Yeah. Okay, cool. That, so I just wanted, I found it very interesting that both of our... Um, little sparks this week kind of aligned in that yeah, way. So I wanted to that share. That is cool. Because I, I figured maybe that would help 
you uh, have something to focus on that isn't like because I know writing is the hard like that's the it's, hard part. You're trying to swallow an elephant. And yeah, you gotta do it bite by bite. Yeah, you know? and I think what I found so fascinating and wanted to share is just like this made it so much easier for her. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll make it easier Probably, for you. Yeah. Is like just. Think about asking questions, answer a question, write it, write a paragraph about it, yeah. and then sock it away. She literally had nobody else has to ever see it. Filing cabinets, I bet. Freaking her entire house was just full of drawings notes and notes, about, yeah. and on anything. She would write on like random. She wrote on the back of her eviction notice. Like she was just like constantly looking for paper yeah. to like write stuff down because you never know when you're like, oh. Oh wait, how is that gonna work? Like mm-hmm. all these things, and you gotta because it really it. is when you're writing and you haven't flushed it out. It, you get to a point, you're like, well, I don't know how. The world I don't react to this. And, and I don't know I, the question. I don't know enough about this world to go to on. understand like That's what's gonna where happen. A next. lot of writing, writer's block comes from is yeah. just not understanding their own world enough. Yeah, and I, and I think, think even especially if you, for fantasy, even if you are writing in a real world, I mean, you still are world building in a way. Right, you know, you're still setting parameters of what can and can't happen in your story. Yeah, and that's the thing she kept asking questions or getting inspired to ask questions about too was all of the characters because mm-hmm. it's like okay, there's a school, there's a headmaster, okay, and there are teachers and like all these things. So let's like literally write out everyone that works at this school mm-hmm. she had like mapping she had their resumes literally and, yeah. where they went to where they went to school oh, like wow. what what houses and they were in that, was, this is something really interesting that I've, I've talked about in like fiction writing classes i've taken where it's not important that you drew ever know no. where professor snape spent his summer vacation but it is important that jk <laughs> rowling know yes so you that know? she knows where snape is where is he where is he coming from yes yeah. Uh, so I just found that so fast. And I think that's literally what was the advent for Pottermore mm-hmm. is like she had written, so, she had gotten so good at taking all of the stuff that needed to be in the book and putting it in the book and then not doing anything else. Yeah. You, we can say probably like the, the fifth through seventh, she got like, people wanted to know more stuff. Yeah. But even after the seventh one was published, people had a hankering for like, what else is there in this world? Yeah. And she had so much content yeah. from all of these notes that and it was like, like who okay, knew? Look. Like Johnny Depp was in this world the whole time. You know? <laughs> he had always been there. <laughs> yeah, but then she just like the, her publishing company and all this stuff was like, okay, we'll make a website and you can basically publish interactive blogs. Yeah. About all of the wacky notes that you've had throughout, throughout the years. So Grayson, that's you, really cool. If you need someone yeah, you, to make you, you a website you for your inspired, new world, you have inspired me. Oh, thank, thank you. Well, Grayson, thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, together again in this lovely uh, podcasting yeah. situation. And I guess I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Well. Oh, you yeah. Have any closing remarks? No closing remarks, but I just want to let the 22 people who listen to us know that we do put out this bi-weekly. We're going to attempt to, and that's not twice a week, that's once every two weeks. Yes, yes. No one can ever remember what those different things are. So, good to explain it. Um, But Grayson, it's your turn. Oh. Bird if you just yelled at us. still would like to do sign-offs. I still want I want to keep the sign. I like the sign-offs. All right. So thank you so much for listening to Learning in Public this week. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Great. We did it. Yeah, man. <laughs>